This is Relationship Truth Unfiltered, a podcast that ditches destructive traditions and delves into real biblical teaching about relationships. Welcome, I'm Julie Sedenko, here with Tracy, a member of our Conquer Support Group, who's agreed to share about her destructive marriage to hopefully help others learn from her experience. Tracy, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Now, you went into marriage with a lot of trauma from childhood. Can you talk just a little bit about that? Yeah, just briefly, my upbringing was um, being raised by a single mom. And her lifestyle was um, several things, but none of them motherhood. So she divorced my father when I was one. And after that, basically started a journey on um, a partied lifestyle, drugs, alcohol, and men. And there was a season in her life where she was actually a prostitute. So I was raised by a mom who was really hurting herself, most likely. Yeah. And I'll just interject something here. Um, the Lord has been so gracious that my mom and I were able to mend the last eight years of her life. She's no longer with us, but I have forgiven her and she's asked forgiveness and um, repented of the ways that she did when she was raising us kids. But I was raised by a mom who was just really super angry and hurting and we were neglected, extreme mm -hmm. neglect, um, didn't go to school. We were hidden because oh, it, oh, it didn't, wow. yeah, it just didn't match her, her lifestyle. So if my mom would go out and party and um, there were days that she didn't come home, there was just, we would be left alone. Um, it would usually last maybe one or two days, but the days that she did come home after partying, um, she would be hungover and want to sleep the rest of the day. So abuse came in my life very early on by way of physical abuse, emotional abuse, psychological abuse. And a lot of times as I look back at my life and where my ma marriage ended up going into abuse, I, one of the disadvantages I had was my mom was my first gaslighter. She would say things that happened that never happened or when things did happen, you know, they, it, it just, there was no, I never trusted my judgment or my insight or my reality. Um, so that definitely set me up for, um, the unknown and what to expect from relationships in I general. I guess, I guess. How old were you when she was leaving you? I was anywhere from the age of one to she would leave up until I was probably 10 or 11. So who was taking care of you? I had an older brother and an older sister. And although they were still young themselves, I took refuge in their um presence. I don't know if they necessarily felt the same for me because they were much younger and had more of the burden. My brother ended up becoming um, addicted to heroin early on, and he has passed from a heroin overdose. And my older sister had a lot of trauma herself too. So, but the three of us clung together when we would be in those situations. Well, I'm sorry that you went through that. And it, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine going from that type of a childhood into a normal, healthy relationship. One of the things that I want to share 
um, was a time when my brother had told me about school, even though we never went to school. He had memories of going to school when my mom was with my dad. And so I held on to, oh, there's school. And my brother loved it and would tell stories about it. And one day, and when I was probably seven years of age, I heard the screeching sounds of tires breaking. And I saw a bus with kids getting on the bus. And I thought that was for sure how you got to school. So I waited and looked for that bus numerous times um, after that. And one day it happened to be there when I heard it again. And I went running out in my dirty, toiled and torn nightgown and jumped on the bus thinking I was going to go to school. But God would have a much more important lesson that day. I ended up getting on a bus that took me to Sunday school. And I'll never remember, I'll never forget, sorry, that the felt board was a felt board with one side of the board, people yelling and screaming and, you know, uh, fighting and drinking and smoking. And on the other side of the board was people hugging each other's family, embracing each other, children being celebrated, praying hands, the Bible. And I thought to myself, well, I know I'm on this side of the board, but how does one get over to the other side? And mm. so God was planting seeds in my life very early on about his, the way that he wanted family to be. How did that that's an amazing story, Tracy. I mean, it's hard to even imagine. Mm -hmm. How how did you ever get an education? Well, there was a time in my life where my mom had had enough. So she we were living across the nation on the East Coast and she must have called my father and said, "I'm done. I can't do this anymore." And we got on a train. She didn't prepare us that we were going to go stay with my dad, but after we landed in Vancouver, Washington. Um, my dad was standing there and she kind of ushered us to him and then disappeared. And in that time, he was remarried to a woman who had been a teacher. So oh I learned the foundations of reading at that age. But then I would return to my mom's house maybe eight months later. So that was the foundation of my education and then my love for reading as much as I could find a book and read a book. I, I definitely know that I have a learner's heart, um, but I was very much afraid of education and wasn't allowed education just because of the abuse that was taking place in the home. Little by little, the Lord would lead me to so many great things. Today, I am a, a certified biblical counselor. I went to school to do that. Um, so I have overcome those things. And, and also just the hand of God. Again, I didn't have education, but I, I own a gymnastics school and I own that gymnastics school, not because I knew how to spell your tuition is due because I did not, Oh my goodness! but I was a great teacher and I loved children and I was gifted in that area. So all my clients would come in and be so kind to me and say, here, let me, I'm going to, print you up some signs because I would misspell tuition. Um, but little by little, the Lord's hand was just on my life. And because he's given me the desire to learn and to grow, I have continued to take those risks and take those chances. Did you ever go to school at all? I mean, I did go to school when the children's services would get involved and they would come and threaten my mom and then she would enroll us. 
but we would only go for maybe three months and then she would uproot us and move. Tracy, it's hard to imagine as a mother mm -hmm. that there are little children going through this. And yes. So you obviously went into marriage with a lot of trauma. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. You said even before marriage, your husband was pursuing you pretty strongly. Can you mm -hmm. talk about that? And do you think now looking back with what you know, that that was a red flag? It was totally a red flag. I didn't see it as a red flag because any type of love at this particular point in my life was better than nothing. Sure. And so I was intrigued by his comments that he would say, because he knew me from a youth group that was very pivotal in my life, in my teenage years. He belonged to that. Although we had previously married other people and divorced other people, when he came into my life and reconnected, his attention to me um, and interest in me was comforting um, at times. And it was also, I was cautious because I had seen him in his first marriage and thought, how does his wife tolerate that? How does she, because he had a lot of female friends. Um, and so when he started pursuing me after his divorce, he, it, it felt like I was, that he admired me and that he respected me and that he wanted me for his life. And he was a Christian. He said he was, you know, this believer. So I felt like I was ready to enter into a relationship and took that as a true pursuit with good intentions. And I don't think his intentions were all bad, but I just think that there was a really big missing component that he was not willing to bring to the marriage. And that was how to live out a godly life and how to listen to things that bothered your partner Mm -hmm. uh, that were reasonable. One of the greatest things that Leslie did for me, because I didn't doubt, I, I couldn't trust my reality, is the things that I would come to him for in our marriage. Like, hey, I'm uncomfortable that you have all these opposite sex friendships, or I'm uncomfortable with the text exchange that you guys are having, or whatever it would be. It was always received with your you see this because of your broken lens of your upbringing, you know, mm. uh, it was always, I was blamed. It was blame shifted on me. And Unless you wouldn't you really know, right? I had no idea. I knew it felt bad. And I knew also that uh, it hurt me. And so what became more concerning to me is everything that hurt me, he was unwilling to do anything about, even if it was a reasonable request. And that's what Leslie mm -hmm. pointed out to me. I was actually very convinced that when I started working with Leslie, that she would say to me, oh, no, 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 you're okay. Your husband's treating you well. You just don't know that. I, I thought she was going to tell me that. So as I began to share my story with her about what was taking place in our marriage, it was very validating that she was saying to me, no, the requests that you have, if they were unreasonable, this would be a different conversation. But your request for your husband to do these things for you is very reasonable. And, and it's, you know, it's, it, there's a warning there when you don't have a partner willing to step up and provide the things that, 
that say and express to you that you're safe. Give me a few examples of what you were asking for that Leslie said was reasonable. Um, the first thing that started off is we obviously got involved premarital. We had premarital sex and I was not really comfortable with that. Although it was clear to me that that was going to be a big part of our relationship. And again, I think because of my confusion with my mom being a prostitute and the relationships that she went into, I just basically thought, well, this is, if I give this to him, then he's going to in return, give me love and security as well. Mm. So the first thing was we were blending families and he was very emotionally connected to one of his oldest daughters, who's a lovely girl. Um, but an instance, an example of that would be like when we first were married, we shared a vacation with both of our kids. We had just finished being intimate in our bedroom in the morning. And um, I went out uh, to the living room and he was sitting on the couch with his daughter, who was 17 at the at that time, with her legs kind of draped over him. And he was caressing her her legs. And I had just been intimate and I longed for that craving of touch without it being sexual. So I didn't say anything at the time, but later when we were alone, I said, that was really uncomfortable for me to go out and see the intimacy and the affection that you shared with your daughter. And yet, you know, that's something that I, that's the place that I would like to be in your life. And he just could not understand that at all. And then also just a big thing was around his flirtatious, her, his flirtation with other women. Do you wonder whether your marriage is just difficult or if it's actually destructive? Leslie has a quick start guide that will help you answer that question. Not only that, if you find your marriage is in the destructive category, this guide will give you concrete biblical answers on your next steps. Go to leslievernick.com forward slash start to get your free quick start guide. And please know this, you are seen, you are heard, and friend, you are valued. You had talked about, you know, he, he was very defensive, uh, blame shifting. So, tell me some of the other things that were going on in your marriage that you would describe as destructive. There were several things. We started <clears throat> going to a counselor who was a biblical counselor, and he's actually the one that handed me Leslie's book. Um, after about a year, a year and a half of counseling together as a married couple. <clears throat> so there were, there was just times of deceit um, that it was, it would be around silly things. Like I was trying to build with his kids. His son was living with us. Um, and when we would travel, I would say, Hey, why don't you let me talk to so-and-so his son and, and start to build with him a relationship and so he would go, my husband at the time would go behind my back and text his son to and kind of step in that way of me building with him. And then he would get caught in it. And I would say, oh, I thought we were going to allow me to build that relationship with him or to go to him for this. And he just um, would, whether they were big things or small things, there was just so much deceit, just not being forthcoming. The, the hardest thing that was for me to handle is as I came to know the Lord, because I really only came to know the Lord truthfully, where I surrendered my life over and I realized I was a sinner in need of a savior, was 
you know, within the last eight years. So hmm. I was new to my faith. I did not know my, I didn't know my worth. I didn't know my value at all. And I didn't know my true identity in Christ. That was going to come in my life, but it's, it was going to take some time. And so the value that I was trying to get from my husband at that time was to say, could you let go of all these other female friends of yours? Because he had had a, a nine-year affair in, on his first, in his first marriage that he never confessed. When we got married, I thought if we were having sex every single day, he was being fulfilled, that he would not stray. But what I found was that no matter how much sex we had, he still wanted the attention of other women, inappropriate attention of other women. And so uh, he would minimize my concerns. He would start saying it was because I was insecure, um, that I didn't know how to trust people and especially men. And so as we would start to uh, work with the counselor, the counselor was trying to figure out our problem as well. And then after a certain amount of time, a good year of counseling together with really unresolved changes, he split us up. And that's when he handed me the book on my one-on-one -on -one with him. He handed me Leslie's book, The Emotionally Destructive Marriage, and said, I want you to start seeing that what your husband is doing to you is powering over. And that term just made no sense to me. Isn't that incredible to me? I love that a male counselor had that book and that resource and gave it to you and that he saw what was going on. I think that's awesome. Yeah, he was a wonderful, very uh, gifted biblical counselor, and um, he was not afraid to do it. And he even admitted, because my ex-husband now ended up going through Chris Mull's program, oh, okay. um, because we did separate, and I needed that because I was going to... I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown, my health, everything about my life physically and emotionally was on the brink of a nervous breakdown. And I just um, got the support through the biblical counselor and my church who also raised up to the occasion. I know many women have horrible stories with how yeah. their church have had failed them. Um, but in my scenario, the team gathered around when my husband was doing men of peace. Um, we got the shepherding team. And although my church was hesitant to say abuse or destruction or to blame one person over the other, his behavior started showing up in their relationships as well. So sure. they started to begin to see how he would manipulate the situation or how he would just say enough of the truth to get by, but then not uphold his end of the bargain on accountability. So all of these repetitive behaviors of his would begin to show up in the shepherding team and within our church leaders. I will yeah. link the men of peace program in yes. our show notes so people can have access to that. What was a big aha moment in your learning with the Leslie Vernick team and how have you applied it in your life? Mm. My sin was that I was reactive instead of that response. And so Leslie was beginning to teach me that um, I could have a godly response to biblical uh, to sin being committed against me. Yes. And um, that was a big takeaway. It took time and I wasn't perfect. And I did, you know, fall short in that. 
But I think that um, her being tender to my story, listening with compassion, uh, really validated that what I went through was was hard and difficult and not normal. <laughs> well, and I think that that is exactly what so many women do, understandably, is they're being sinned against and they feel out of control. They feel desperate to save their marriage and they're kind of losing it, mm -hmm. uh, getting angry. They're, they're be sinning and maybe becoming destructive themselves. And a lot of what Leslie's programs and everything teach is getting control of yourself yep. and being well inside and out, whether you stay or whether you leave. Right. Yeah. So I think that her listening to my story, validating things that were not, you know, biblical or godly from my husband's behaviors and choices. And then just also like we separated. So I felt like I was out of the trauma uh, of it being repeatedly over and over happening. And I was willing to stay. I mm -hmm. wanted my marriage so much to, to survive and not go through a divorce. There were so many good things about my ex-husband as well as the bad things that were uh, brought into it. So I just was really hoping that through the the team and the work and the classes that he would understand um, what he was doing and then repent of it and turn from that, even if it was not necessarily a, you know, the Paul on the road to Damascus over right. miracle. But as long as he was making steps in the right direction, I would be willing to stick around and stay separated as long as it took for us both to be healthy people in that marriage. But you became almost desperate. Yes. for it to work. Yes. And describe a little bit of maybe how you went from just really wanting this marriage to work to this has to work and how that became almost a sinful thing in your own life. Yep. I think that in my desperation for my marriage to work, I hung on and I clung. And I think I also was kind of having the attitude not kind of, I think I had the attitude of see this as sin. You call yourself a Christian, repent, turn away from this. And so I was very aggressive. And the, in that. And the thing is you're right. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. so there's this thing of I'm right. I'm showing him the truth. I'm telling him the truth, but that can right. still become sinful. Totally. Yep. And I think that he actually filed twice. And the first time he filed, I was pleading with him to see the errors of his ways to not do this divorce. Um, and I was just holding on. I was clinching. And I think it's Elizabeth Elliot or somebody said, be careful. You know, everything that you present and you present to God as a prayer you know, hold it with hands open because if you clench it, it hurts when God pries his hands, pries wow. your fingers off of it. And I felt like I was clutching my marriage so bad. I did not want it to end. And um, he, he pulled back the divorce and removed it off the courts. And, uh, and then he filed again. And it was really the team that was gathered around me that said, let it go. If you're, really? yeah, if your spouse is not receiving correction from several witnesses, like for the most comforting thing to me, as I go forward in my life, looking back on a marriage that I didn't want to end 
Um, Cause today he says, I'm the abuser. You know, he says that he was the one that was abused. And I have to continually go back to Matthew 18 and say, if I was the one who was, you know, again, I was a sinner and I was making definitely, Absolutely. you yeah. know, bad decisions, but I was repentive. I was turning yes. from those things. And I think that he was being told not only by me, but then by Chris and then by the shepherding team and our pastors and our counselors that what he was doing against me was sinful, not godly. And he needed to turn away from that. And that was where, you know, he ended up getting tired of being told to repent. So he mm -hmm. filed for divorce a second time and the shepherding team was saying he's rejecting God's words his teaching, got Christ's teaching. So I was really encouraged to kind of assume that he was an unbeliever and that he was divorcing me and I was just to let him go. Mm -hmm. And it went against everything that I wanted because I had made marriage and the love of a man, my idol. And that was, that was the, that without knowing it, I was clinging on to that. And really God allowed that divorce, everything that happened in my life, even including all of my childhood, the sovereignty of God, it flowed through his hands. He allowed those things to happen and he didn't desert me. He didn't leave me, but he allowed those things to shape me into the person that I am today. And, you know, to finally bring me to salvation, to, to see that nobody is going to ever be able to give me the things that I desired or the things that I desired for so long from a man, that was the living water that he was offering the woman at the well. She too was searching after something so strongly. But so Tracy, I have to ask though, do you ever struggle with the thoughts of, you know what, God, I deserved a good mom. I deserved a good family. I deserved to go to school um, and have a good marriage and have what I, what I look around and see all these other people have. Do you struggle ever with that? Because even as I hear your story, I think it's wonderful that God worked in it, <laughs> but man, I wish you didn't have to go through all of that. Do you struggle mm -hmm. with that? I think I did for a long time. Yes, absolutely. I think that there were visions of me being raised by a mom and a dad who loved me and invested in me. And I would grieve what I could have been. I, I often would think, oh, I would be a you know, musician, a violinist. I would be able to read music. I, I kind of grieved all the things, you know, the education part of it. Um, but I think that I, I learned how to trust God by looking him, revealing the things that he brought into my life. Um, so yes, I did. I had to go through a grief process of why didn't I get that? Why wasn't that available mm. to me? And who could I have been if I would, who would I have been? What would have been the outcome of my life, especially when it comes to my children? Because yeah. even though I was a great mother, I was not 
the mother that they needed, especially within faith. I didn't raise mm. my kids in the faith. And I really think to myself, man, Lord, you could have kept my first marriage intact and made that go. And I wouldn't have been a product of divorce or my children wouldn't have been a product of divorce and separation with holidays and all of those things. Mm. But yeah, I, I definitely did have to grieve it. But he's proven himself to be so trustworthy that I no longer question the what ifs. Thank God. You know, I, yeah. I now say this is who I am and God has redeemed me. He's brought salvation to me. And that is far above any other thing that I could experience here on earth. May I ask what happened with your first marriage? You said it was a good one. Yeah, it was a good one. And I just recently talked to him because I am um, in the process of writing my book. And I, we, my first husband, Chuck, and he wouldn't mind if I shared his name. We are very close today. He's remarried and has been remarried for many years. And him and he and his wife have been very gracious to me all of these years. And as I was reaching out to him to ask who I was at the younger self, when we were married, he said, very lovely things about it. He said, I always knew your heart that you wanted to be a loving wife, a loving mother and have a family. And he said, we were just two young people mm. um, not invested in that didn't know what we were doing. So my first husband, the reason our marriage ended was for my choice. And I think it was because he had a really difficult time emotionally connecting. And I was in need. I mean, in hindsight, that would have grown. Yeah, yeah, I was in desperate need. And I was, I think I told my kids this the other day, when I became a mom, and we had our family unit, I really wasn't prepared to be the wife and the mother of that family. I was really wanting to be the child in that family, needing wow. to be a child in that family growing up in a loving way. That makes a so, lot of sense. Mm -hmm. It really does. If you could offer one piece of advice to a woman who's listening and in a similar situation, what would you say to her? Oh, I would say, trust your reality that if something's not feeling good to you, it's probably not being done to you in a way that's honoring to another person. Like we are, an image bearer of Christ and we have value and we have worth. So in the midst of the suffering, I would say, cling to God's word. I turned to the Psalms of lament. I would get up when I was in my deepest pain and I would go to my mantle and light my candles and turn to the Psalms and cry out to God. That's when I would say, why Lord, why have you turned your back on me? You know, why are you giving me these these difficulties. Where are you? You know, show up. So I would say cling to the words because God will reveal who he is and who he is, is a loving father. He's a loving father who covers us with his pinions. There, his loving kindness, his greatness, his, his mercy, all of those things are what we really need to hold on to and rest in and start seeing, because once we start seeing our own worth, then we can kind of use that as a barometer of how people treat us. And we can begin to see that the hurt that's being caused to us by the hands of another 
are, is not something that, that God wants for us. Mm. Where are you at today, Tracy? Uh, I am in a good place today. (laughs) I think that the Lord has guided my steps. He has given me great counselors. I became a biblical counselor and, um, uh, really ready to help other women face this journey. Um, mostly wanting to, you know, speak to the woman's self about their worth and their value and their relationship with Christ. And, um, yeah, I'm just, um, at peace for the first time in my life. I'm not running to men to find my worth. Mm -hmm. Um, I have been single and if the Lord has me stay single the rest of my life, I'm good with that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm also open to find love and to, you know, look for a a godly husband that Mm -hmm. would want to really walk in steps with what it, what Christ created and designed marriage to be. And you mentioned that you're working on a book. Is that true? I am. I am writing my story. And where are you at in that process? Just the beginning process. Um, Leslie's been a person who has encouraged me. I will be attending a writer's conference in March and um, we'll just see what the Lord has for me within that. Okay, well, I want you to keep us posted on that. We'll have you back on when the book comes out and we'll let our listeners know where they thank can get so it. Thank you so much. Okay, Tracy. Thank you. I really do appreciate you sharing your story and okay. wish you everything, all of God's blessings in the future. Thank you. Thanks for giving me a chance to share my story and to maybe encourage other women out there on their journey. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Relationship Truth Unfiltered. If you need clarity on whether your marriage is difficult, disappointing, or destructive, go to lesliebernick.com forward slash start for Leslie's free quick start guide. It's totally private and will help you get clear on your next step. Again, that's lesliebernick.com forward slash start. Until next time, may God bless all of your relationships with him, with yourself, and with others.